for those of you who have been around for a bit. Oh, there she is. I was just going to say, so Stephanie's teacher in training, first time up here uh, with me. Um, and I had mentioned to her downstairs, stay down for just a couple minutes. I want to look at something in the book and, you know, just, just take a minute. <laughs> and now I have to keep in mind that she has no sense of time. <laughs> that was more than a minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I also, as probably most of you know, I think probably everyone here knows we just recently had um, Lungpurpasano up. This is Lungpurpasano over there. He's the spiritual um, inspiration of this place. And our our um, monastic guiding elder. And he comes up twice a year. He'll be back in September. Uh, so watch our website, uh, see when he's going to be here. Um, two monastics from his monastery and uh, down in California, Abayagiri will also be here, one in July and one in August. So watch for that as well. It's... Um, the purpose of this place is to provide a, a, a beautiful and a friendly atmosphere for people to draw near the Buddhist teachings through this particular lineage. And I think um, most of us here, if not all of us who've been in contact with the monastics and the monastic teachings feels that um, benefit when they're present. Uh, we also had a nun here, uh, Bikuni here last weekend. And um, she and Lumpur Pasano and also Ajahn Siddhanta, who's the abbot out at Pacific Hermitage, which is out in White Salmon. Uh, all three of them spoke in the last two weeks about the preciousness and the rareness of this place. Um, having a facility, an actual physical place where people uh, all aiming, intending, uh, putting effort into feeling the results, the, the benefit of being kind, of, of wholesome thinking, of altruistic action, you know, and this is what the Buddhist teaching is about. All of that results in not suffering. Recognizing the preciousness of a physical place, including physical people that are working and making the same kind of effort to be kind, to be thoughtful. To, to not suffer for themselves or cause any suffering for others around them. Having all of this physicalness is support for what we feel internally. It, it gives us a structure of which makes it easier then for us to witness, to experience the results of good action and good thought, which is 
release from suffering. That's the ultimate preciousness is when our heart is unburdened from emotional weight, emotional baggage. And we have those moments, we can recognize those moments where that emotional weight, that emotional baggage is released, is not present. It also, as we practice, it also allows us to see, to start to pay attention where, when we're about to pick up a thought that's going to cause emotional upheaval. And as we get more and more alert to, oh, this thought is going to lead to my suffering, as we get alert to those habits, we start to gain the strength to recognize this is just a habit. It isn't actually descriptive of who and what I am, which is what we tend to do. I feel bad, and therefore I'm a bad person. I feel good, therefore I'm a good person. It's actually just you know, neurons and emotional reactions. It's mental and physical, mental and physical, and habitual ways we play around with this cycle. It's neither good or bad, but it does affect our emotional well-being. This is one of the points um, Lung Propasana, Alistair and I were in conversation with Lung Propasana once, and we were talking about artificial intelligence. And we were talking about the benefits of it, the things that can be done with it and whatnot. And then I said, you know, the one thing that really worries me about artificial intelligence is that it doesn't have an emotional side to it. So it can't feel the results of good and bad actions or good and bad intent, thoughts, you know, good, good and bad intentions. So our thoughts, and, and Lung Parapasana's response was, yeah, you should really be afraid of that. And then we went on to other topics, but. So, Paying attention to our ability for right effort. You know, um, right effort in the Buddhist teaching and the Buddhist training is about, first of all, recognizing, you know, the actions or the thoughts that we are performing are, lead, are going to lead to an emotional discomfort, dis-ease, to a bit of suffering. So recognizing, we must recognize this. And then understanding this suffering enough that we can make the effort to set it aside. So what gave rise to it? You know, a thought or an action, 
And the action's going to come after a thought, but sometimes we don't catch it, that thought before we take action. You know, it's, it's, my um, youngest grandchild has a really big temper. And I pick her up from her daycare once a week. And by the time I'm picking her up, I'm, I've had a full day. I'm tired. I might be a little grumpy. And if I don't, and I'm, I'm very well aware of this now, if I don't actually intentionally work at letting go of my mm, my bad mood, say, my I'm really tired, I don't want to do this. Oh, do you hear what you're saying? You don't want to do this as I'm on my way to pick up my grandchild. That's not a good place to start with her. You know, so I have to, I have to walk my, I have to make the effort to notice, to stay very, very mindful of my thought patterns as I'm on my way to pick her up. And it, and it makes a big difference to her when I pick her up on if I've done that work or not. And that wasn't something I was aware of at first. I was like, why is she always so grumpy when I pick her up? <laughs> and then Alistair, once, this is one of the benefits of having somebody around that's doing the practice as well. Alistair once mentioned, why don't you try getting yourself in a good mood before you pick her up? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll try that. And uh, And so I did. I was going to pick her up and... I'm letting go of these thoughts that I don't want to do this. And I started to, you know, intentionally think of, well, what do I want to do with her? What do I like to do with her? This little girl has a temper, but she also has a great and somewhat sophisticated for her age sense of humor. And when she's got a, an adorable smile, I could go on forever. <laughs> and I'm not saying this just because she's my granddaughter. <laughs> Anyway, so I started thinking about these things, you know, and this is this is what happens. We can start thinking about more wholesome things and it starts to proliferate and, and it feels it feels much better than I don't want to do this. So it making the effort and then so going to pick her up. Walking in, she she looks up and it was the first time she just like she comes running to me. And I was just shocked because that had never happened in the two and a half, two years that I, one year actually because of COVID in the one year that I've been picking her up from school. So making that effort every single time has made a big difference. And I did notice when I slipped uh, recently and I wasn't in a good mood, you know, and I wasn't thinking about how you know, this projects out to other people. I go to pick her up. She she comes swinging around the corner. Somebody says, your Nana's here. She comes swinging around the corner, took one look at me and goes, put her arm right over her eyes. And then she walked toward me really slow. <laughs> Which was great because I recognized, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't setting down my ill will. 
and she was picking it up. So, you know, recognizing there's, there's four steps to right effort, recognizing, you know, the unwholesomeness, making the effort to put that down, and then recognizing, you know, and, and you know, wholesome effort, picking it up, intentionally turning our mind to, to, to wholesome thoughts. And then the fourth one is, you know, uh, working and putting in effort to sustain that wholesomeness. Putting in effort to uh, nourish what we now witness and observe brightens our hearts. So this is right effort. Does that work? So coming back to paying attention to, you know, yes, this building and having a community and having monks coming, uh, teaching us, listening to the Dhamma, this is all really good. To it, for us to be able to engage and pay attention and experience and know the experience, recognizing our experience of wholesomeness. And that recognition, that's what is most precious. It's in our hearts. It's, and it comes from the efforts we put in our mind and in our actions. Is this making sense to anybody? Just as I can feel it and physically witness it in this small child from her response to what I'm putting out into the world. I mean, that is a really big benefit. But I can feel it internally. That's where I can do something about it can't fix her and I don't want to fix her. I want to fix myself. I want to fix this heart so that what I am contributing to the world when I'm not even thinking about it is wholesome. That's the practice we're undertaking. The practice of being kind, of understanding what we do with our thoughts and our actions that causes us to suffer. Recognizing that, put it down, intentionally pick up a wholesome pattern and cultivate it, nourish that. And this includes very, very important to include the effort to not put ourselves down 
as we begin to recognize more and more of our habits that are unwholesome. It's just the way it is. We're human beings. We want to transcend this part of being human. We want to practice to a point where we're starting to recognize we have an, an ability to be independent from the wholesome and the unwholesome. We can be independent, our actions, our choices, where we decide to put our mind, where we decide to take action or not action, can be independent from what we witness within ourselves that's wholesome or unwholesome habits, which makes it easier as we recognize our independent ability to move unrestrained with what we're witnessing. When we recognize that independence, it makes it easier to choose the wholesome. It makes it natural because the mind and the heart delight in it. And as we know, everybody wants to be happy and nobody wants to suffer. So we learn to open that door, to unshackle ourselves from the idea that we are what we think and who we and what we feel. And then we can move independently with what we witness, understand what our habits are, and choose the wholesome because it's delightful, it's unburdened. And it impacts those around us. So not only are we happier, but so are those who draw near us. So with that, I'll open it up for questions or if you have anything you'd like to share. I'd love to hear it. Also not to worry if... Um, it goes quiet in the room, that's also okay. And just kind of watch your heart. Where do you want it to go? And know you can put in the effort of where it goes and what it drops and what it picks up. So first I'll just ask Stephanie if you have anything you'd like to share. Well, well I am. Um, I really love what you were saying about making decisions and functioning independently from those ties, those familiar ties we have to our patterns of suffering. Um, it actually reminds me of a conversation I had with Longfort once. Um, he was speaking and afterwards I said something like, wait, so what you're saying is that it's easier to make these wholesome choices if you want to. And he just looked at me and he's like, well, yes. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> exactly. But it really struck me in the moment that how alien the idea of wanting to let go of the familiar or the security of the familiar was. It felt so difficult to let go of what I knew the patterns that felt comfortable to me. 
but then once you put the effort in and actually experience the benefit, once you do that a lot of times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it becomes so much easier to trust that no, no, I actually do want to go there. This feels better. And then that can again be tested when things are difficult, when circumstances aren't ideal, when you're feeling overwhelmed or angry or lonely or whatever it is you're grappling with. Um, I was listening to a talk from Longport just this morning and he said, um, how do you hold the practice when conditions are not ideal? And then he said, um, trusting the wisdom of letting go will take you straight to the dock. Mm. And that really stuck with me. And to recognize that that is a place I actually want to be and trusting that and going there has never ever felt like a poor choice. It has always yielded safety and happiness for myself and the people around me.